This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now, we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith and Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. All right, guys, welcome back to a Land and Legacy podcast. Adam, are you there? I'm here, man. I'm here. I'm driving down the road. I'm trying to like uh, do the like slide into home before the ball gets thrown in. Uh, and and that references. I'm trying to slide into my to my house before these storms that they say that are going to get pretty bad get here yes so i'm like racing as quickly as i can as i see i don't know i'm 25 minutes from home and uh there's some dark clouds on the western horizon so i'm like oh come on gray ghost that yeah, is my truck so i'm was, just trying to get my truck home that was a not a metaphor for for your wife storms of your wife but this legit storms <laughs> legit storms yeah i'm not even the doghouse no not even the doghouse so yeah cool cool well i i'm i'm encouraged by just the time of the year um some of the some of the off show discussions that we've had about uh bucks moving some other people seeing some pretty intense cruising activity uh, across different portions yeah. of missouri and then some cameras starting to show up um you've got uh, you and Chad have got a, a buck that's kind of daylight and a really goofy deer, but probably, I mean, I would... Nice frame buck, yeah. Yeah, but five-and-a-half-year-old deer, um, been pretty regular, might have a chance yep. to to slip in later this week. Um, He's about the only buck that on the farm that we're like, okay, yeah, that one, I'll do it. I'll do it on that one because... Uh, I think it's a no-brainer. I feel like he's five-and-a-half plus. He's had a bigger body than every other deer. And he's a goofy, he's kind of goofy, but he's a big frame. It's just like, that's a really good deer. And if I gave him two more years, I don't think he's going to be any bigger. Well, I don't think even if I gave him another year, he's going to be any bigger. And, you know, there's some other bucks on the farm that have probably nicer, uh, would probably score higher. But they're once again like, ah, I think that deer will make a big jump next year. So I think we just let those slide. And, and this goofy rack buck is the main one, and you know he's he's showing a pretty good pattern right now. You, you say goofy, but it's not like he's. It's he's just not a, a it's a unique. It's not. It's it's yeah. just a, u, a unique configuration. But he's not like a, in my opinion, an inferior deer. He's just a unique shape. Like he's got a good set of antlers, and yeah. it may surprise when you hopefully ground truth him. Um, because he's got such a big body, and and those antlers stick up pretty far off his head. So like, yeah. In comparison to body size, everything's like you know he he could be a little bit bigger than than what you think or what we think yeah. when until you until you actually put your hands on him. So yeah. my it, gut tells me right now he's probably in the 
uh, low to mid 40s mm-hmm. just because he's a big framed eight. Well, uh, right. He's got good mass on his on his uh, yeah. bases, beams. Um, and the reason cool we beer. call him Goofy is because up until actually this morning, I didn't have any good pictures of him. And it was hard to see what was <laughs> going on with his G3 right. on his right side. And I don't know if I even showed you a picture of it yet, Matt, but Mm-mm. it basically is G3 has the normal tying kind of going forward, and then it has a kicker going on the inside and another little nub going to the outside. Interesting. And then he also has a G4 that's kind of a little nub just past that. So it was like, I don't, I can't tell when he was in velvet. It's like, I can't tell what's going on yeah. with that. He's just kind of goofy. Right. And now that's where his name is goofy because, you know, we don't get too. Fancy. Too uh, fancy and really like we got to have this name and that name. It's like you know that some of these other nice bucks we don't really even have names. It's just we can reference them as you know the nice ten on the farm. Every, everyone knows <laughs> which one we're talking about. <laughs> but so. yeah, no, that that's cool to see that deer uh, daylighting and kind of putting together a, a little bit of a game plan to kind of strike, and then. Um, Seth's after some deer. He's kind of bouncing around different places, not trying to burn anything out, but seeing if something will uh, kind of if, – if the chase will work out in his benefit, right? So he's got a bunch of different deer, but um, just trying to catch up with one during daylight hours. Kind of been um, – haven't ham and egged it well, let's say. So you go to one spot, yeah. the next day they show up, and, and kind of vice versa. Um, mm-hmm. And then here at the house – could easily be a three and a half year old, but a little bit unsure, just not clear pictures, not great angles. But had a, a deer that I have not seen um, show up here at 11:20 in the morning. Actually, it was 11:22 in the camera, and I was at that same camera at 11:17. I thought it was clear and going in just to make sure that camera was operating functioning well. And I was like, oh, it's, it's safe. It's midday. I got a good wind. I'm just gonna tiptoe in there, and I did. And uh, clean the scrape out and walk back out. And five minutes later, bump, there's that deer. So who knows if if he actually ended up seeing me walk out or whatever. But um, it's at least encouraging to say, okay, he was he knows where the bedding cut is now. He knows to come back, check those, because I know there are yep. does in there. Um, found, found a scrape. And adjacent to that is four to five acres worth of, um, worth of food. So... At some point, even if he doesn't, if he's just kind of checking in, he he will be back and hopefully get a better um, eye and camera on him to see kind of what exactly he is. So, but that's the time of the year, um, starting to see different shifts and new deer pop up, and that's what's fun. But at the same time, there's a lot of people who are taking advantage of those movements and putting arrows in deer, which kind of leads us into our probably highly debated <laughs> topic of the of the week um but we we're yeah. here to provide some personal insight of uh our our experiences of what we've seen from tracking lots and lots and lots of deer and then helping a lot of folks from afar if we can't be there and giving some guidance um along the way with uh deer that are shot with archery equipment and and how <clears throat> excuse me how to go about taking the next steps what what follows the shot um so essentially what what this is going to revolve around is 
what we've seen at, what is it, Adam, now three to four different occurrences that we've seen probably in the last week and a half of uh, a deer that have been shot and, and essentially just one lung, a one lung yeah. type hit. And uh, yeah. I know we're going to dabble in other, you know, scenarios that, that a lot of archers find themselves in or bow hunters find themselves in throughout a season. But this is one that, um, man, it can play some tricks on you. No doubt. No doubt. Um, by the way, do you hear the background noise? Is that rain? Yeah. Oh, okay. wow. I didn't know how bad it was. So I'm ba- just Barely. Along. Barely. I can okay. hear it, but well, that's you're good. good. Yeah. Real um, life. Real life podcasting. That's right. Uh, yeah, I mean, when it comes to, I, I think I know of four, maybe five total on this scenario just in the last week and a half, two weeks. So yep. um, there's a reason, you know, when we pick topics, it's kind of like uh, <laughs> some pastors just preach whatever God puts on their heart that week. And I feel like we get on and do whatever is on our mind that That's right. week. Like we don't plan out for future. Now we've got some stuff coming this winter that will be planned out weeks in advance. But this time of year is kind of just what's fresh, what's on our mind. And yep. And I feel like every year we have to do something like this topic because it's just like every time you hear it, it's like a refresher. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we had some people message in, email in about the refresher of old field management this fall. Like, you know, for example, you could spray for a lot of you guys, if you've had a frost and your cool season grasses are still green, it's a great time to spray those to remove them. So the next year you have a full growing season without them. Yep. Um, but when it comes to shooting deer and, and tracking deer, we need a good refresher to say, okay, we really, you know, I, I, because we want every single person who listens to this and every single person who's a hunter to have the quickest, most ethical um, hunts possible and recoveries. Yeah. At the, at, I had to ignore my wife's phone call because it's raining. She's trying to tell me, I think, but <laughs> unless there's a tornado, which is very well possible. But um, it, you want them to have the quickest and most successful blood trails. Deer dies quickly. It's an ethical kill. There was not suffering. There was not, it's just, it was over quickly and it was a nice, easy blood trail to follow. The worst thing we want or the, the thing that occurs that, we never want to talk about, but it's a part of archery hunting, especially is the lost blood trails Yeah, and the or, lost or the, blood the, trails or bumping is the deer or bumping deer. And, you know, ultimately it's, it's all the things that we don't want to happen. And I feel like based on my experience of all the years of, of filming hunters and filming for various TV shows or, or, or web shows, you know, you, just because of that, there's a lot of time on a blood trail. And you Lots. start to learn things and see patterns and see things where you're like, oh, okay, you know, I, I, we want to avoid this. We don't want this to happen again. And two of the things that really stick out to me when it comes to lost blood trails or, or, or basically wounded deer and, and, and not finding the deer, two things shots that are questionable and taking up blood trails too early. Yep. And I, I feel like those two things, if we could address those two things, 
during this podcast and talk about them, unpack those, and talk. And we got some other stuff, but I feel like those two things are really, really important for people to understand. They're, they're good and, un- umbrellas to, to capture a lot of different thoughts, but but absolutely, I think those are the origins that you'll find um, many of these conversations revolving around. That's right. And and for me, when I look at just uh, let's talk about the questionable shots. And by that, I mean, like, anybody who's ever been around me or in a tree stand with me probably notices that I'm picky when I choose shots. I I do not like quartering two shots. I really don't prefer quartering away shots. I, like, I'll do everything in my power to, I feel like I put more, I feel like I put more emphasis on trying to read the body, deer's body language than focusing on the shot maybe that's for good or bad i look at it going i want to see if this deer is really calm and nothing's there's no issues then i will let it do its thing until i get a broadside shot let's say there's no other external factors that it's trying to key in on or a heightened sense of awareness it's just browsing it's just foraging it's just moving through that's the kind of best ideal scenario that you're looking for. And, and most times, unless it's a trail in a transition area, if you're hunting over a food plot or a food source um, or you're even over a bedding area, generally there's going to be quite a bit of opportunity to harvest that deer. That's right. That's right. And, and, and yeah, a scrape. I mean, if you've got a scrape, which a lot of our stands have scrapes, box scrapes around them. So, looking ahead trying to predict the movement of that buck tells me okay you know it looks like he's going to that scrape and if he goes to that scrape he'll do some moving around and i'll get a broadside shot yeah for sure and so one thing i want to keep in mind and i hope that this podcast doesn't come across because when it comes to the habitat world i feel like there's there's more voices and opinions in the hunting world than there are the habitat world that seems to be changing rather quickly, but it seems like, you know, the hunting opinions. And so I'm going to say something, hopefully people that, that are doing this don't take offense to it, but I feel like if you're putting content out there and especially if you have a following, you should understand that if you're doing something, then others will do it, even though they may not have the same level of experience or skill that you have. That's right. And I mean that for if you're taking questionable shots because you know you can put the arrow exactly where you want to it, where you want to, then others will try to take that same shot and likely not be as ethical or as skillful as you and efficient. So if you're taking walking shots, like I, uh, when I see that just makes me cringe because a simple little tongue click could get that deer to stop and so one thing that you know quartering two shots another one okay he's quartering two i can slip the arrow right in and and hit exactly where i want well 17 year old boy who's watching that he sees it and goes oh i can i've seen it happen it works bam right in the shoulder and and this deer has got to wear that arrow for weeks until it finally wears out and you fight off an infection yeah and, and there's and a there's an upset boy too in the in the process and potentially, you know, ruin the first young, experience. Exactly. Who's young in the hunting and 
that happens again. Now he's fighting that every time he pulls the bow back on a deer. Yeah. And so to me, like that's where the basis is broadside, not non alert. And that almost sounds cause deer are always alert, but not high alert, Correct. just a normal tentative deer. That's just doing its thing. That's broadside. That's, I mean, bar none, that's the best, most effective way to take a shot and that just when i lay out kind of my checklist or my graph later you'll understand why well (laughs) because once you leave that once you leave broadside and just normal alert uh deer then that's when bigger bigger doors are ready to be open for more mistakes well and that's when all the wacky stuff happens well it was like this but but then whatever um whatever you know x followed well that's weird yeah well because the deer reacted to to the to the sh- the shot of this you know uh, the bow sound what whatever um but to pick that's up right. on on whatever uh, excuse me on, on what you're just talking about um about just trying to take that broadside shot as important as that is um when you're making and taking that shot you you have to to be able to recall and and after the shot make the the right judgment calls is really ask yourself and if you're not videoing your hunts um and you're just doing this from photo memory part of your part of your eyesight and your eye line is blocked from a peep sight but you have to ask yourself is that deer truly broadside and and yeah. you could it's of course everyone's heard you know archery is the game of of angles and and and, and whatnot and that's so true but man whether it's a slight quarter or or it is dead broadside or it's or it's quartering away more than you think um dead broadside is rare it it is very rare sometimes there's you know there's usually always some sort of angle into the shot um and then when you take that alertness and increase it um and that rate of of the deer moving in reaction to something it's always going to change the angle too that's really hard to anticipate so um when you're recalling that shot and you're looking down through your peep sight, generally speaking, some of that body of that deer is blocked from that peep sight. So just really take note of the position of the legs and and in relation to broadside and dead broadside, because a little bit of quarter one way or another, um, and that that's what we experienced with with um, yeah. Seth Harker and his son Trace who shot a buck. He put the arrow right behind the shoulder. I mean, a great entry point but but when until reviewing and sending the 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 footage out to um others it wasn't uh known that that deer was actually quartering two more than what they thought they thought it was dead broadside but in the heat of the moment it's just you're looking at all these other situations and you, your mind can kind of uh not play tricks on you but you may not analyze dead broadside 110 percent um thoroughly and and then you get to the point again after the shot, and then you're rushing in because you thought it was broadside, but in reality it wasn't. Yeah, uh, I agree. It, because a simple few inches quartering two means, and then so if he's slightly quartering two or slightly quartering away, and your arrow is slightly off the mark, just like that, you are one lung in for a long night of tracking. Wow. 
hopefully not tracking away till next day <laughs> if you know it's a one lung but but yeah. right that's the situation though and 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 that happens so much and um we're going to reference not obviously broadhead specifically but even then in that situation right you miss your mark just a touch the difference between a quarter an excuse me an inch and a quarter um fixed blade and a 2 inch expandable of any varieties we're talking about that makes a difference too and what it is you're actually cutting it, it you know so so you got to really be um i say dead accurate but accurate on knowing what shot you took in the first place but then the arrow placement on top of that too and and one thing adam i think even even if it wasn't filming um we would 100% do it and encourage anybody who who isn't doing it to do it but shoot lighted knocks Oh, Shoot 100%. You know, they're, they're pretty cheap now. I mean, you can get a pack 35 bucks or so, order some on eBay. Like, just find some lighted knocks and use them because it's not just for video and it's, it's for not. better understanding where your arrow went in. It, it, yeah, it's, um, it gives you the information that, that you can then take to say, now when do I take up the trail? Because if, if it's not a clean pass-through then you can see that arrow sticking out exactly where it's at in that body or you you bury the fletchings you know to the body cavity and maybe you couldn't have seen them based on the fletching cover but now you know exactly where that's at in relation to the body the so- the shoulder um, the ribs the liver the lungs whatever the case may be it's just it it gives you just a little bit more information that can help you break down your next steps that's right and and you know there's so many steps in this where selecting the shot, making the shot happen. And then the, the moments after the shot um, that really make this more successful. But I want to step back. And when I say a successful track, a successful shot and track to me is one where you make an ethical shot and they, you have ample time to recover the deer and the meat is still good. Absolutely. Um, Yes. Because so much, you know, like, and, and that's where you get into tricky times if you get the deer too long. Like, I hear a lot of times where, well, we had to track it because the coyotes are going to eat it, if not. And that's like that, that's that terrible timing where you're like, yeah, but the shot's no good. And there's a very good chance that we're going to bump that deer going in early. Right. Yep. Well, and, and. You know, one thing that we talked prior to, but I don't think I brought up this this point of it, um, but I know you'll you'll agree with the aspect of it. As seasons, be, you know, open up late August or early September um, across the the country in the whitetail world, it, it's 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 alarming to me a little bit because if you do make a poor shot, that meat is going to spoil by the time you can really recover that deer. So then at that point, it's just an antler. What's just an antler point? hunt. Yeah. At that point, what, uh, at that time, what's the point of this? What, what is this all for? Like, right. What kind of message does this convey to a person who's not a hunter? Well, we killed the deer, but we didn't get to take any of the meat. Yeah. That I just, I don't, I, that doesn't sit well. I don't, I don't like that. Um, but that's nothing that that's we can change like, on this podcast. But it's when you still... go out to when you go out west, like when you see it open up September one, it's like Nebraska or North Dakota. It's like okay, that's fine. Your 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 temperatures are cooler. But like, yep. 
Tennessee, when they opened up this velvet season uh, in, in latter part of August, is like Tennessee's still hot. Kentucky, like what Kansas, are they doing here? George, yeah. Georgia's early, and and this is not yeah. picking at those South those, Carolina. Yeah, this is not picking at those states, and we can't change what what their regulations are. But this is just the thought process that man we we do as as respectable ethical hunters. We need to be taking, and this is where it all goes back to that shot selection. We need to be making sure that from the shot selection on, we're making the right decisions. And if you if you're taking a shot that's that's probably questionable let you know regardless i'm probably gonna have to give that deer four hours before i go into it and it's 95 degrees and it's only getting down to 78 that night probably not the shot you need to be taking that's right that's right and 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 you know it's definitely not the shot you need to be taking and then in the meantime you know to, to the second part of of my two things was um taking too early and I'm very pessimistic when it comes to a blood trail. Anyone who's ever blood trailed with me knows that I'm usually like, this deer's not dead till we're on top of it. We got our hands on the antlers and we're dragging snow out. I'm very like, we're going to find it. We're not going to find it. Like, even if there's a ton of blood, well, it could be one lung. Uh, Well, this blood looks great. Well, it still could be one lung. Let's not try to get ahead of ourselves here. Like, and to a point where if it's somebody else's deer, I might not be the best guy on the trail because I might Debbie Downer you. Yeah, um. you, you suck being on the blood dunking. <laughs> but yeah. but honestly, there's there's a hundred percent a healthy balance though of exactly what you're talking about. And and I love a person who who is confident in the shot placement. Um, because a lot of times, most archers, after the shot, they start doubting when they don't hear the deer fall or they don't know as much about the shot as they want. As, as they want. So when, when I start talking to someone, we're like, no, I feel confident about it. And they still hold that confidence despite not seeing it fall. I'm like, all right, that's great. But I'm glad you have the confidence. However, we're still going to take this extremely slow. We'll st- we're still going to yeah. be um, basically dotting our eyes crossing our T's, every step of the trail that we take. I don't want to take this and make a 150-yard trail, a, a three, four, 600-yard trail, and find them two days later because of buzzards. But that's a likely yeah. scenario if if you're not, let's say, cautious. I think, I think that would be, probably be the best word to describe. Um, not, not pessimistic. I don't think you're pessimistic. I think you're just very cautious to a point where it allows you to slow down and make wise decisions going forward instead of being too confident and bumping and then really... My wife would try to argue that it's realistic. She's realistic. She's not pessimistic. She's realistic. Every once in a while, she'll get in a mood or whatever about something. I'll be like, you're pessimistic. She's like, I'm a realist. And so there you go. I'm a realist. Like... This very well could be a one lung deer. This very well could be a long night. This very well could be a gut shot. Like, um, and, and I didn't think that just because I've spent a lot of time on unsuccessful blood trails. Yeah. Uh, from various camps and different people or whatever. And, and it's really hard whenever uh, <laughs> it's not on camera and the person was too excited to really have a good idea of exactly where they hit it. Yeah. That's when it's just a shot in the dark. And yeah, 
you know, I think of this, there's some famous times, famous sporting events where, and I forget the football game, but there was one where the band rushed the field before the game was over completely. Yeah. And it ended up turned around and the other team won. And, you know, there's always the pre-ending celebration where a team may think that they've got the game won. It's like basketball. And all of a sudden, somebody goes off and goes crazy and starts throwing threes. And eventually, they turn the game around and, and it's over and they lost. And yeah. I think of that when I watch a video of a person losing it in a tree stand and not even paying attention to the deer running off. And, and you can pick up on telltale signs of wow that deer did not slow down that deer did not stumble that tail was not like i'm taking my last kind of steps quivering shaking kind of thing that deer booked it and i didn't hardly see any blood and i don't think that was the shot angle that he thought it was because there's not a pass through and it probably is a one lung situation (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> that that's how like, I watch hunting videos. <laughs> if I watch a video and I see an arrow sticking into a deer and the person's losing it, like celebration, it's it's great to be excited. Oh, absolutely. But that that's not the successful hunt. That that you sticking the deer is not creating a successful hunt. You getting your hands on it quickly after you shot it and the meat not being spoiled is the successful hunt. And I, I, it's it's like a it's like a in the park home run, right? When when you when you were at bat, you hit the ball, and that's like when you took the shot, right? So you're like, oh, my yeah. gosh, I made contact. I'm probably getting at least third base here. But but until you get home, you haven't actually scored. And until you yeah. recover that deer, yeah, there's a lot of different steps that you need to go through to get to the point where you can celebrate, and there's a one on the scoreboard compared to a big old goose egg because yeah. you didn't pay attention to what was happening. You, you, and then that would be, you thought you hit a home run and you got thrown out at second base because you were lollygagging. Lollygagging, the guy in the outfield had a heck of an arm. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, and, uh, and, and that's where, you know, the second thing, getting the cart before the horse, tracking too soon, jumping ahead and, and bumping that deer. And that's one that just seems to be a common trend. Okay, yeah, let's go find him. No, no, no. You need to backtrack it. And I sketch. Of Hold on, you, you, uh, you, you just stopped there for a second. Re- oh, you lost me I lost for you for just for a quick second, yep. Okay, well, I did a quick list in my head and wrote it down of, like, you know, what what's going through my head during a – um, during a, a shot and recovery process. And maybe this will help some people kind of understand what I do to make sure that I, I give a deer ample amount of time and we find the deer. So like this graph starts out and it says, did you see it fall? And so you shoot a deer, did you, and, and this is my advice to a person, whether and, you're. And for those, for those who are following along, and listening, this is like a flow chart. Is what yeah. you're, what you're like, kind of like a, a line graph over time. This is what you do, but it's kind of a flow chart of uh, the scenarios and situations that you might find yourself in after shooting the yeah. deer. So, did you hear? So, you fall? shot the deer, and we're seconds after, and the deer's still running off. Keep your eyes on the deer. Pull up your binoculars if you can see a long ways. Do not, and if you've got somebody filming, put the 
camera on that deer and do not lay your eyes off of it until it's out of sight. Yeah. And even then, if you're filming or watching, still don't take your eyes off because you may catch glimpses of it, even if it ran behind some more trees on a hillside. You may be able to see more. So give it time. Don't talk. Just listen and watch. Eyes, eyes and ears. Eyes and ears. That's right. And so remind yourself, eyes and ears when the deer is running off. So you ask yourself, did I see it fall? Yes. Well, continue to watch that deer for a few minutes, half an hour. And if it's not moving, doing anything, then you're safe to go. But still, I mean, it's just good practice to always ease into it and don't be laughing and clapping and yee-hawing your mm-hmm. way to the deer. So just ease your way over there. Okay, did you see it fall? No. All right, now we go down this 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 column. And so after no, I say, well, this is just conversation too. That's how I kind of came up with a lot of this. No, you didn't see it fall? Well, was it broadside? And you can say, no, it was not broadside. And you say, well, what position was it? And then from that, you say, well, oh, it was quartering away. Okay. Did the arrow go? Was it a full pass through? And if you say, and from that, you say, yes, it was a full pass through. Okay. Where was the location? Entry and and exit. (laughs) Yeah. Entry and exit. Well, it was about, it was behind the ribs on the right side. Looks like it went out somewhere on the front shelf. That's pretty good. I, what yeah, kind I like of that. broadhead were we shooting? Fixed blade or expandable? And from there you say, okay, it was a expandable two blade and it went through quartering away, full pass through. What's the arrow look like? Bright red. Okay, we got some lungs. We got something good. Let's give it two hours. Take up the trail. And I say that because it could be a great, great looking arrow on one lung. And if it takes two hours, you give it two hours, and you start tracking, and you get 150 yards. Yes, yes. That's when I say, still haven't found the deer. It's not double lung. Back out. Give it another two and a half hours. Well, and let's and let's that's re- where I think that right there is where so many mistakes happen. Uh, so I gritted gotta... my teeth when I said that because I've been on those trails where the guy shooting or hunting goes, I think we're good. He gets to make the call. And you keep going knowing it was the wrong decision. Well, and uh, here's here's the thing. We, we have to pause there because this is the point in the road or the flow chart where you you can actually score. I'll go back to that, that baseball scenario. You're actually scoring or, or you're, you're coming up empty. Um, because yep. what happens is if you pursue that trail and you, th- and you got lung – but that deer is not down within 150 yards. And this is plus or minus a, a little bit, yeah, right? I would say 250 is generally, but be, just because it could have been going downhill. Right. So downhill's a little different. If it's downhill, but if it's like going up a hill and it's 150, uh, yeah, you then back out. Back out 100% because that deer, if it's a double long, and especially on a, on a quartering of, of some sort, if it's a double long, you could have caught some liver in there too. So you've really should have that deer down within 150 to 200 yards. And if you're not seeing that deer, then 
it's time to back out because you didn't hit both lungs. The scenario just drastically changed, and you have to be aware of that breaking point of, okay, I don't have a bed. It's 150 yards. If it's a one lung, I know that I'm probably close to where a deer should be bedding down in the first bed. And if it's a one lunger and I've only waited two hours, that deer is very likely still alive and can get back up out of its bed. And that's one of the situations where after you find, if you bump a deer, um, because you pursued too fast, you didn't take in all the information that you could have. If you bump a deer on a one lunger out of its bed, don't expect a lot of blood following up. And, and, that's- and if that's a scenario that you found yourself in, um, not saying you did not find the deer, but chances and percentages really decrease from there unless there's a dog that can pick up the actual scent trail of that individual deer because the sign that's left through blood trail can be very, very difficult to track that thing efficiently, um, quickly for certain, but the best, best, best thing to do is back out, do not bump that deer from that first bed, and then return in at least four and a half hours time frame from the shot, at least four and a half hours to get in there. And, and Adam, I know we talk to a lot of hunters, um, you know, every day or week, but, but this is just, you know, five different scenarios that we can think of where people we know were in this exact position of, Hey, I, sh- I took, I took a shot, followed up the trail. I, I either went too far. I didn't give it enough time. And, um, I've bumped the deer or I suspect I've bumped the deer or I just went too far. I knew I went too far and I had to back out. So, some of these resulted in a recovery. Some of them did not. And yeah. we don't want that for people to find themselves in those situations. So if it's not down, if you don't see it go down two and a half hours, and if it's not down within 150, 200 yards in that, after that two and a half hours, back, back out again, give it some more time, another two and a half hours. And hopefully then you can make that clean recovery. But bumping is, is like, that's when I get pessimistic at that point. Yeah. That when it's um, like, oh, crap. Uh, this, is not, this is not good. This is not good. And, and luckily or fortunately, there's a lot of states now, I think, that um, have opened up the opportunity. I know I was just one of them, a couple other ones, um, where now you can, <laughs> it is now legal to use a dog um, to take up the trail, a leashed dog, um, and those are great, great options uh, if it's if it's one that's available in your area. If you find yourself in the situation where you bumped it, um, but man, that's just a tough, tough scenario to find yourself in because you see lung blood, and sometimes on a one lung uh, deer, you see really good like amounts of blood as well. It's frothy, it's a light colored blood, it's bubbly, and you're just sitting there, go, go, go. Here's the next track. Here's the next track, and you just find yourself really quickly, uh, potentially past that 150 yard mark and whoops. Now we're in a situation where the game just changed drastically. And I think if you, if, if you're not aware that the game just changed drastically, um, that's when the mistakes happen. But that's the importance of this podcast is you got to know when the game really changed to make these situations, um, have the outcome that you desired. That's right. Yep. I, you know, from, 
from that flow chart, you can back back up. We went down a long yeah. line, but was it broadside? And if you say yes, then you say, was it a pass through or not a pass through? And so basically what I have is um, it was a pass through. And then I say, was it a pass through in the kill zone? And if you say yes, okay, wait an hour and a half just for some time and take up the trail depending on blood and everything. And you should, if it's a broadside right in the kill zone, you waited two hours and you track and, and you haven't, you, you likely would find that deer in my experience within 250 yards. Yeah. But if, if you haven't found it within 250 yards, take a stop, reevaluate, try to address and figure out if this is a one lung. And if it is, then you jump back over to the other chart where you're like, maybe it wasn't broadside. Maybe right. I was a little bit off, but if it was kill zone and you say, no, it was not the kill zone. Then you say, then you have to address, well, was it guts? And then you've got all kinds of other columns to go down. Was <laughs> yes. it? Yeah. But if it was guts and you're like, let's wait four and a half hours, start easing our way in, trying to address in that first 250 yards or 150 yards on the blood trail, is there blood or is this all just gut gooky normal stuff you'd find on a gut shot a lot here. a lot of times with the gut shot and especially if you're using a, a, a wider cutting diameter um you'll get liver you'll get an artery and and yeah. any of that additional blood um obviously is helpful but if you're getting that type of blood i feel like they bed down faster than if it's just a straight gut shot and and to me it's if you're getting that blood some yeah four and a half hours probably good. If I don't seen very much blood and I'm just trying to identify like the track where that deer maybe displaced leaves, broke twigs going through, I'm seeing a little bit of gut material here and there, then it's like, it's probably closer to a six and a half, eight hour wait um, on, on that type of recovery. I just want to back out completely because I'm not, that animal is not bleeding out or bleeding internally like we would really, really desire. That's right. That's right. Yep. And, and to me, I'm just like, when I look at it, uh, I almost hesitant to make this claim and maybe I've made it on the past so people wouldn't be that shocked, but I would rather track a gut shot with a big expandable than one long fixed blade. Yeah. And And stuff like that. But some of the, I would venture to say the most unsuccessful blood trails I've ever been a part of the, the, the longest list in all the various locations that a deer has been hit and all the locate or different forms of a, of a head rut row zone. That is, this was a one lung with a fixed blade and those tracks have been horrible and most of them end without a deer. And deer never shows on trail cameras, so you know it died somewhere. It was just probably a very long ways from where he was shot. A long ways and potentially a long time. And and here, it is an absolute privilege to be able to hunt and chase deer. And um, I, I think it's a responsibility that every hunter has as soon as they climb in a tree, whether it be archery equipment or it be gun, 
firearm, you, you owe it to the animal to make the best shot. And the best shot starts at shot selection. And, and sure, absolutely. Adam, um, you've tracked deer that I've shot and we didn't recover. I've tracked deer that you've shot and didn't recover. It happens to everybody. And I, I, no one's perfect and things happen when you're hunting, but if we can all just take good shots at the start of it, you can minimize some of these things that just, you know, don't happen, uh, or that, that, that shouldn't, let's say say they're avoidable. They just quite frankly are, are avoidable if some shots are not taken from the get go. Yeah. And that's yeah. important. That's important lesson. But I, I'm 100% agreeing with you on that. I think that the target size is much larger or the miss opportunity, but still being very effectively if you if you respect the, um, the times, the wait times after the shot with a two-inch expandable off, back off the shoulder some, that, that target and that kill zone is, is very wide open. Um, so it, it's a it's a good window and really a, a great option to be able to um, effectively kill deer with archery equipment. Not saying and, not and saying others don't work. No, and and that's exactly it. And I don't I'm not trying to dog on guys who shoot fixed blade. Not I just all. in my experience, like I don't think it's what I've seen is guys are able to take more quartering two shots or they're shooting these fixed blade because they want to blow through that shoulder and be able to get into that kill zone. And I'm like, I love pass through shots. I love finding the arrow right where I shot it, addressing the arrow. And my most successful way of doing that is shooting the poundage I shoot that the weight of the arrow I shoot two blade expandable blow through. Don't take long shots if possible. And, and go from there. And I don't think it's possible. Even if you gave me a heavy, heavy arrow and I cranked her up and I was pulling 70, well, I pull like 72. I max my bow out, 60, 70 pound limbs, and I max it out. So I think it's like right around 72. And I. Do you, do you work out, bro? No, I don't. <laughs> That's why it hurts so bad. Um <laughs> And as I said that, I'm like, I probably need to crank my bow down at some point because my shoulders don't feel as good as they once did. (laughs) And, uh, but what I would say is, even if you gave me everything, they're like, you can blow through a shoulder if you want. I don't think I could do it just because it's, it's like a red blinking light on a deer when I draw it back, like, don't shoot here. Don't do it. Don't do it. Danger, danger, danger. Think about it for a second though. I mean, it, it, it invites the likelihood of a one long deer, especially at any type of quartering situation, quartering two, quartering away. It invites that likelihood by a lot. By a lot, if you're aiming on a front shoulder on any type of quartering uh, angle, it is a likelihood that that is a 100% a uh, a one lung deer. And that's not a good situation to find yourself in. Uh, tracking, um, they're just generally a lot of waiting and um, taking up that trail has got to be 
done wisely, let's say, if that's your shot. Or if that's your miss, it's just got to be done. Yep. Yep. Man, I, and I hope I hope this whole podcast, guys listen to it and like, not, not me, bro. I've got, I give them plenty of time and I don't, I don't touch the shoulders like, okay, great. I'm glad you got nothing out of this podcast. But for you other guys that live in reality, like Matt and I do, it's going to happen. And I think this is a good refresher for uh, this basically flow chart and just reminder that, hey, you know, it's not always exactly what we saw. Let's be conservative in our tracking and conservative in our in our just beliefs on on following this this trail and and uh make sure that we're not making mistakes that could have been easily avoided certainly and 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 then too on top of that um be conscious of the the air temp if you have to leave a deer be conscious of that let obviously we don't want to see any deer go to waste um, we want to make every effort possible to recover that deer and, and take advantage of the opportunity from a meal that it provides people. Um, so just be conscious of that too when you're hunting and say, ah, man, should I really take the shot? Do I have enough time to come back in the morning and, and give this animal uh, the respect and due diligence that I need to? And is that meat going to be of, of, let's say, table fare quality for my family or to donate? Whatever the case may be. It doesn't matter if it's a buck or a doe. It's the same situation uh, it's an animal. It's got to be respected, and I, that that's the other important note I think to to leave the podcast on. Yep, sounds good. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast, and I hope that you are finding time to get out in the woods, and hopefully you're safe out there. And uh, if you are successful, please share it with us on Instagram. Yeah, for sure. Be sure to check out our YouTube channels. We're dropping videos every week right now. Yep, um, a bunch of hunts, both past and recently. And, uh, man, it's just a good time to be alive. It is. Hopefully, Adam, will have some time to uh, get out this week and um, get some time in the tree. And deer are going to start moving. I know that, which is super exciting. Yep. All right, guys. We'll catch you next week. See ya. Yep.